You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Podcast. Find out more about Northside by visiting us online at northsideweb.org. Good morning. It is good to be with you all this morning. It's been a long time uh, since I've been here to preach. I look forward to that. I look forward to coming and seeing you all. Uh, many of you have been our Northside family for years and years. Uh, we've worked together. You know, we've, we love each other. We're part of the same family. And then to send you all off, I just don't get to see you guys very often. And so I look forward to doing that. And again, to reemphasize the fact that we are one church in two locations. So it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, we started this uh, series on generosity. So I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about something really even a little bit deeper. Um, you know, in our money, I've got a penny here. Uh, it, it, it says, in God we trust. Now, the words are small, but it's there. In fact, I got a big picture of a, a dollar bill, I think, up there. It says, in God we trust. In fact, I even got my money out, and I looked, $1 bill, $5 bill, $10 bill, $20 bill, $50 bill, $100 bill. That's as high as I had. But they all say, in God we trust. Now, I believe that is true at least when our country was founded, that God was our priority and we worship God. But I would have to say probably in my lifetime, that is not what I have seen. What I have seen is we don't really worship God so much. Oh, we don't, uh, we, we don't bow down to an idol. We don't make a graven image. You know, but money really kind of has become our idol uh, even though in the beginning it was like, in God we trust. And so now it's just a little bit different. It's a big problem here in our country, but not just in our country, all over the world. It's kind of become our master. But those of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ, we know what Jesus said. Jesus said this, um, no one can serve two masters, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so this morning we want to talk a little bit about that. And one of the reasons why we were rotating these sermons in this last couple of weeks is because we wanted you to know, this is one of the things I really appreciate about Northside. I think some people get turned off if you talk about giving or generosity because maybe some churches have just gone too far. Maybe that's their focus. But at Northside, we just simply teach the scriptures. And so uh, over the next last week, this week, and next week, Jeff will preach, I will preach, and Eric will preach because we want you to know it's simply teaching the scriptures. It's not just what one person thinks. It's what God says in the scriptures. And so I think there's important things for us to know in that regard. So the priority for us as a general a general, uh, generous life. The big idea is a generous life reflects God's character. You're never more like God than when you give. God is a God of faithfulness. And if, if we're not careful, money can become a substitute. And we know that. So money is not our master, Jesus is. So how we handle money, how we think about money, that really determines really where it fits in our life and whether that is our priority or God is our priority. And so in teaching this today, I, I want to talk not just about money. I want to talk about something even deeper than that. And I have to say that I studied this passage. There is some incredible Bible lessons in here that I think every one of us should, should really uh, kind of grasp because I think it's that important. It goes all the way back to 1 Kings chapter 17. It is about a prophet by the name of Elijah. Elijah, uh, he knows that the country he's living in, they're, they're worshiping a, a, a false god named Baal. Now, it wasn't just Baal. Baal is kind of like the generic name for all false gods. But they were specifically probably 
worshiping the rain god. And so what Elijah does from God says that there is not going to be any rain for three and a half years. There's going to be a drought. Which is kind of interesting if they worship this rain god and all of a sudden God withdraws the rain from their presence. And I think sometimes that's the way God works. We shouldn't be surprised at that. <clears throat> sometimes we'll pray, uh, you know, that God, we want him to make us wealthy. We would like a new car. We'd like a new house. We'd like to have a better lifestyle than maybe what we have. And then we get frustrated because God doesn't seem to answer our prayers. Uh, but why doesn't he do that? Uh, God doesn't, don't you want me happy? Don't you want me to have these things? Um, don't you want me to have this stuff? Why? Well, here's the reason. God doesn't hand out idols. And he knows if money is going to be a cheap substitute for him, then he doesn't want to do that, just like he's going to withhold the rain from this country back then. So when Elijah helped the people understand what God is teaching, you know what happened? They got angry at Elijah. In fact, the authorities tried to kill him. And so he has to flee for his life. And that's kind of where we pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 17. Let's read the scripture. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, who was the king, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So it's not going to rain for three and a half years, we know. And then in verse 3, God tells him, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kirith Ravine east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. And so what's going to happen is, even though there's going to be a drought, God says, I'm going to provide for you, Elijah. You don't have to worry. I want you to go from Jordan to this little brook, and I'm going to feed you there. I'm going to feed you with ravens. Now, can you imagine maybe what's going through Elijah's mind? He's kind of thinking, God, are you serious? You want me to leave Jordan? Jordan is the Jordan River. You know, there's a lot of water here. You want me to leave that and go to this little tiny brook, and you're going to feed me with ravens? God, what are you thinking? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Seriously? And by the way, this drought is something that you caused, and, and now I'm going to have to do that. But that's, we don't know what's going through his mind. All we know is that just he obeyed. Look at verse 5. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kirith Ravine, east of Jordan, and he stayed there. And actually, what we learn now in this lesson is what happens when Elijah trusts and he obeys. And as he obeys, those are lessons that we can learn as well. There are three challenges here in this passage. Here's the first one. Trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Now, when we start talking about money or giving or generosity in the church, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people because it is countercultural. We hear things like take care of number one, look out for uh, yourself, uh, get all you can get in life, only the strong survive. And so we just think, well, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right to talk about, you know, kind of giving your money away. And so we have a hard time believing what God says because it's so countercultural to the, the world we live in. Um, uh, we have a hard time believing that. But here's an example. Remember what Jesus said, quoted in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than receive. Now, it is more blessed to give than receive. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you believe that? About half of you? You know, I really would have thought more people in Medina would have believed the Bible in that. How many, if you believe the Bible, how many believe it's more blessed to give than receive? Okay, there you go. Now, suppose, let's just put it in scenario now. Let's suppose Somebody wanted to give you $1,000. Would that be a blessing? Yeah. Would you be blessed? Yeah, absolutely. Now, what if, what if you needed to take $1,000 of your own money and give that to somebody else, maybe a poor, starving widow? 
You, you see, in, in our culture, it, it's really more blessed to kind of receive, or at least that's what we think. And so we kind of live our life like that. But Solomon encourages us in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. The definition of faith, by the way, and trust is to, to secure in, to, to fear nothing, to be full of confidence, to rely upon. And so it, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes, Elijah trusted God. He says, man, that's what we ought to do too. So he didn't fear because he had full confidence that God was going to provide for him. So look at verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, you remember God told him to leave the Jordan River where there's a lot of water, to go to this little brook where there's not too much water, and then it just starts to dry up. God provides for a little while, but then it dries up. And I just wonder how many of us sometimes we feel like we're standing in a little brook that's just drying up as well. We're thinking, man, I try to be obedient to God. I've tried to be a blessing to other people. Uh, I've tried to honor him. I've tried to bring glory to God. And, and man, it's just, look how shallow the water's getting. It's just kind of drying up around here. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have enough money to make it. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe your savings are drying up. Or, or maybe you're headed into that retirement and you're fearing of, uh, you're going to have enough money. And so, so you're thinking, man, I have tried to be obedient to God. Why are these things happening? And so you have to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. But it leads me to the second challenge, and that is this. Trust God even when the future is uncertain. Because that's what Elijah does. He doesn't understand why he has to go to the brook. And then God's going to send him someplace else but he does. Now Henry Nguyen wrote a book and in this book called Sabbatical Journeys he talks about some friends that he has and these friends were trapeze artists and he says the trapeze artists there are two people basically in the trapeze department. There are the flyers and there are the catchers and he says says what happens is ultimately the flyer as he's swinging high above the crowds sooner or later his job is to let go. And when he let go, he needs to remain completely still so that the catcher can catch him. So the flyer's job is to swing and let go, and the catcher's job is to swing and then catch him. And to remain still, now that, that seems like it's a pretty simple thing to do. But if you let go, I think all of a sudden you'd want to hit the panic button and you'd start scrambling. And he said the worst thing, uh, worst thing a catcher could do or the worst thing a flyer could do is try to reach out and catch the catcher. He needs to be perfectly still and trust his catcher is going to cast him. You know, and I think that's the same thing for us, um, that we need to sometimes just remain still and trust God and know that he is going to catch us. Uh, sometimes you may think, you know, your brook has run dry and you are in midair and the tendency is one to scramble and one to, to, to uh, reach out for something and catch the catcher. Uh, and everything says hit the panic button. And God said, no, you got to trust me. Reach out your hand, trust me, and I'll catch you. So listen, God will catch you. He will catch you if you trust him. So let go and let God. Well, God gives Elijah some further instructions now. Let's pick it up in verse 9. God tells him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now, it's kind of ironic here. God sent Elijah away from the river to a small brook. Now he sends him into enemy territory, 
and he's supposed to receive food and water from a widow lady. Now, Elijah could have come up with all kinds of objections as to why he should or shouldn't do this. However, he doesn't. He, he doesn't complain. He just obeys. Look at verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. Now, now, it was one thing for him to go to the brook because the brook was still in the promised land. But now, he says, I want you to go to this other place, and you know what the other place, according to the book of Obadiah, it was enemy territory. It was in the land of Canaanites. So not only he's saying now, I'm going to take care of you here, I want you to go to enemy territory, and I will take care of you there. Now that's pretty tough to be obedient to God when God is telling you to do something very difficult. Let's suppose God calls you to go somewhere else. Like he called some of our people from Wadsworth to come to Medina to start a church. Now that's one thing to go in your own homeland. But suppose God says, I want you to, to take your belongings and everything you have. And I want you to move and go to some foreign distant land and be a missionary. And you're thinking, okay, like Mexico, Cancun, sun, beaches, sand. It's like a wonderful thing. We, our church, Northside, built a church down there. It's like, it'd be a good thing. No, we're not talking Mexico, we're talking Haiti, one of the poorest countries in the, this side of the world, or maybe Siberia, or someplace like that. You know, it's a whole different story, isn't it? And I wonder if this widow woman and her son would have survived had she not been obedient to what Elijah told her to do. You know, one of the things that I've learned in my faith journey is when I have been obedient to God, blessings come my way. But I've also learned when I'm obedient to God, blessings go to other people too. That puts a whole new perspective on life. Because sometimes I think, well, we obey and we know God's going to bless us, take care of us. No, God's going to bless us so that we can bless others. That's one of the reasons why we hope that Medina Church just takes off and, and we have more and more people one to Jesus Christ because that's what it's all about. And I wonder how many people are really missing out on God's blessings and God's provisions and even God's miracles because we really haven't been obedient to start with. And that's what happens here. So Elijah meets this widow and he asks her to bring some water in a jar. And remember, she is a complete stranger here because he's in enemy territory. And even still, the widow agrees. So she goes to get the water. Look what happens, verse 11. As she's going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. So that's kind of like saying, hey, lady, while you're at it, bring me your whole life savings, because that's all she has. She's absolutely poor and destitute, which leads me to the third point, the third challenge, trust God even when we don't think we have enough. And sometimes that's why people don't give. Look at verse 12. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and I. That puts things in perspective, doesn't it? I don't think any of us has really ever experienced that kind of poverty here in America. In fact, I looked on Global Rich List last week. If you make $32,000 a year, which is pretty kind of average or even low, probably salary for around here. If you make $32,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of people making money globally. If you make $25,000, 25400 you're in the top 2% of the world. That's absolutely amazing. So I don't think that any of us ever are in that kind of a poverty, destitute kind of situation like this widow was, uh, but yet she was. And we're thinking about, well, how can I give? I don't have enough. You know, that's kind of the same thing that the disciples are saying uh, in the New Testament. You remember when he fed the 5,000? Look over at Matthew chapter 14 for just a second. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, 
This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the village and buy some food. And Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me. You see what the widow was saying and what the disciples were saying is kind of the same thing. Our biggest obstacle, the devil would love for us to believe that we don't have enough to give. We don't know enough to share our faith. We're not big enough in, in Medina to make a difference or an impact. And I think that the devil would love to us to think that. Um, sometimes we see somebody and we think, man, that problem is bigger than I can help with. And because that problem is bigger than I can help with, well, I'm just not going to give because other people can rise up to me because I don't have enough to give. And sometimes we kind of take that approach. And I wonder how many miracles, how many blessings, how many provisions of God we're missing out on simply because we think we don't have enough. We don't have enough, so we can't share. Do I need to remind you that God used little David to fight a big giant named Goliath? Look at verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. Now, um, I think there's two things that kind of stand out for me at that verse. One is she refers, or back to verse 12, uh, she refers to uh, Elijah and your God. So what he's saying is, your God isn't even my God. So that's the first thing. And she's willing to not only trust Elijah, but she's trusting a, a God that she doesn't even worship. And then the second thing is, if she's going to, if, if Elijah's wrong, then she and her son are going to perish without having any food. And I wonder how many times that we don't receive God's provision and God's blessings and God's um, miracles even because we have fear. And that fear paralyzes us and we don't do what we feel like we should do because we have fear. Now, if this widow lady could overcome some of those gigantic fears then don't you think that we could kind of overcome some of those fears as well? Um, I, I sometimes think th about this woman being so generous. Uh, why did God choose? Why did God choose this widow lady? Uh, I mean, if anybody would have gotten a pass, uh, I would think would this, this lady would have gotten a pass because she was poor and destitute, but yet God chooses her. So what can we learn from her and this situation? So we talked about three challenges. Let me give you three generosity lessons that I think we learned. Here's number one. Generosity lesson number one. God expects everyone to give something. We can't assume that other people are just going to get up and stand up and help. Uh, it's part of God's character that, that we give and we help whatever we have. And that's one of the reasons why I love Northside Christian Church. Through the years, so many people have been so generous, not just in their money, but in their time, and their talent, their giving. And, and many of you are... are uh, have done those kind of things. It's just been absolutely amazing to see that generosity. Generosity lesson number two, God can use whatever I give. You see, it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. Uh, I'm reminded of the widow lady in the New Testament, it's Luke chapter 21. Uh, she just had two small coins and she gave those two small coins. And Jesus said, you know, look, everybody else gave, they gave out of the abundance, but this lady, she gave all that she had. You know, so it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. 
uh, your gifts, whether big or small, they make a difference in the kingdom of God. They make a difference in this church. They make a difference in Medina County and really all over the world as we have fed hungry people, we've clothed people, we've housed the homeless, we've done uh, so many, many things. Why did God choose this poor widow? Why? Maybe it's the same reason why God chose a little boy named David to kill Goliath. Maybe it's the same reason that he chose a young teenage girl named Mary to give birth to his son. Maybe it's why he chose an uneducated fisherman to go out and build his church because he can, because it's more about God than about us. And God can use us in spite of our weaknesses and our inabilities. God can use whatever we are willing to give with him. So let's uh, wrap up this story here just a little bit. Elijah uh, tells this widowed lady, don't be afraid, trust God. Look at verses 14 and 15. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her, so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Now, do you see what happened? You catch it? She trusted God and obeyed, and then God gave, okay? And I think that's very important that we understand. We trust and obey, then God brings the blessing. Um, in fact, giving is always a result of blessings. Look at what he says in the New Testament, Luke chapter 6. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the takeaway is this. God provides for us after we trust him. Three times you see it in the passage. Uh, Elijah went to the brook and God provided Elijah went to the widow and God provided. The widow trusted and obeyed and God provided. So every time you see what happens, they trust and obey and then God gives the increase and God blesses. You see, because it's about God, um, with a, a little becomes much. If you have just a little bit of money, God makes a lot of money. If you have a little bit of faith, God makes much faith. If you have a little bit of, of courage, God gives you great courage. If you have a little bit of love, God gives great love. You see, because that's how God works. So when you trust God, burdens become a blessing, gloom becomes grace, a sinner becomes a saint. All good things happen because, but it happens as we trust God. God says, I will provide for you. Leads me to uh, generosity lesson number three. We are most like God when we give. Somebody said that you're never more like God than when you give. Probably the most famous verse in all the Bible is in John chapter 3, 16, where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We want Medina City, we want Medina County to know Jesus Christ. And one of the ways they're gonna know him is by us. Jesus said, all men will know you if you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. I don't think you can really love without giving. And when you give and you love, the people in Medina County, starting in this school, are gonna know. Let's pray. God Almighty, I thank you for the moments that we spend in your word and praising you and lifting up our voices in song to you. Father, I thank you for this church I thank you for this movement, for this campus. I think that you have, I thank you for doing such mighty, mighty things in the name of Jesus Christ through your church called Northside in Wadsworth and Medina. 
God, you've been doing mighty things in that church, and I look for the future to be even brighter because of your provisions uh, in this church. Thank you for this work. I pray that you would bless every single soul here. I pray that you would fill them with the Spirit of God, and that Spirit would cause them to go from, forth from this place with a new energized love, a new energized spirit, a new heart that is full of joy, that they can share it with their neighbors and their friends and their coworkers so that they know who Jesus Christ is, that they might someday be forgiven of their sins and have a home in heaven forever and ever and ever. God, help us to trust you. And because we trust you, help us to obey you. And Father, when we trust and obey, we will see your provisions, we will see your blessings, and we will see your miracles, not just in our life, but other people's lives too. Oh, Father, we want to see that. May that come true through Northside Christian Church. In Jesus' holy name we pray.